Welcome back to another episode of the First Year Out Podcast, the number one bi-coastal podcast in the world, where we sit back and we talk entrepreneurship, monetizing your passion, and ultimately being a creative in business. I'm your host, Don Witherspoon, and I am here with the founder of Justin Food Media. Hey, hey, hey. How's it going? What's up, Dom? How are you? I'm doing quite well. How are you? Good. That was a crazy good intro. I like that. I like that. <laughs> That's Justin, by the way. <laughs> What's up, guys? This is Justin Fu. So I want to know, like, because we were just talking a little bit off offline about how there's no one word to, to define you. Mm-hmm. How would you define yourself? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I'm a, uh, in the professional world, I would say that I'm a founder of a company and the company is Justin Food Media and we're a digital marketing agency. So mm-hmm. I guess founder would be one word in the professional world. And uh, and then in the personal life, it would just be, there's a lot of different words in the personal life, son, <laughs> boyfriend, right? Uh, brother. Yeah. So hard to pick one, but if we're talking business, maybe just founder. Okay. So how about a couple of sentences about what it is that you do specifically or what your company do? Yeah. So Justin Food Media is a digital marketing and creative agency. So we do everything in the world of whether it's graphic design, video, uh, or photography on the creative side. And then on the digital marketing side, we do everything from organic social media management, uh, paid advertising on social media, and then some Google stuff. So Google Analytics and whatnot. Okay, that's yeah. dope. It's like a full service in-house type thing. You yeah, do. exactly. It's like a one-stop shop is how we like to consider it. Yeah, so anything you need in the digital world, you come to us and we can probably figure it out for so you. So where did you first begin in your creative endeavors? I think I realized I was a creative when I was like real, real small, real young. Um, I was a big fan of like comic books and whatnot. And mm-hmm. when I realized I was a creative is I would read a comic book, let's say it's like Spider-Man. And if I didn't like the ending, I would just take out, some paper and a pencil and I would draw the ending that I liked. Oh, that's dope. And I was like, <clears throat> and that's when I started to realize is like a bit of that was storytelling. A little of that was like actually art creating things. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's kind of when I realized like, okay, cool. There's a little bit more to me than, than what I thought. And then from that, I just kind of stuck on the creative side of things and really it became professional when I picked up a camera and I started doing video work. All right, wait, so so side question, quick note, random. I'm just curious. Are yeah. you into science at all? I was a huge, science was my favorite major as a kid, like in middle school and elementary school and all that stuff. But ever since then, I just lost it. I don't, I'm really bad at science now, yeah. Is that because you started to get more into the creative things or what? I think so, yeah. I think it was like science, I was really good at math too, but I think it, those two things were too finite, you know, like mm-hmm. two plus two is four and there's nothing to change that. <laughs> So um, I think that I I like a little bit more ambiguity. Like my personalities, I work better in like chaotic environments where there's a lot of ambiguous things happening. And I think when it's so finite like that, I kind of stray away from it. So. All right. So wait, that was a quick question. That was random because I'm always I'm curious about like creatives if they're into math and sciences, particularly because that's not usually what you see. All right. So science, you kind of phase that out to the background in favor of more creative things. Mm -hmm. When did you decide to move on from illustration and storytelling as you did with your comic books into actually picking up your camera and creating things yeah so um i realized i i like drawing and then when uh, and i did it all the time on personal on my personal time and then when i started showing my friends and family like oh look at what i do they're like what is that and i'm like oh spider-man like that 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 don't look like (laughs) spider-man and i'm like okay cool so i'm actually not a good artist i just like to express myself in some type of way um and uh so it it was that was maybe when i was around 
12, 13 years old. So now we're on fast forward a long way. So I kind of dropped the creative thing and I started doing the math and science and uh, more rational type of behavior. But uh, when I got my when I got my hands on a camera, which was in my college years, and the first camera I had was a GoPro. And GoPro just, I think that's an amazing company because they made storytelling way more accessible to a ton of more people with a, such a small device, okay, yeah. right? And so a GoPro was really the first handheld thing that I had to kind of create stories and whatnot. And um, when I picked up the GoPro, the first edit I made was my brother and I went on a 30-day travel experience through Europe. We backpacked Europe together. Oh, that's dope. Yeah. And, and you I, documented the process? I documented the whole thing. Never touched the editing software before that. I just knew I had a GoPro. And if I pointed it that way, I could probably figure out a story to tell throughout the process. And I just kept trying new things throughout those 30 days. And I got back, watched some YouTube videos, and figured out how to edit. And then we created our first edit. So did you steal that camera from your school? Uh, no, no, it was a gift. Yeah, the GoPro was a gift. The GoPro was a gift from my parents uh, oh, okay. for Christmas. All right. Yeah. You said college, and I was, all right, it makes sense now. All right. Yeah, bet. yeah. Bet. So so what was your major in college? I was actually a marketing major. Yeah, so I was uh, I majored uh, global business marketing mm. was my thing. I always thought that post-college I would be in international waters working in like Vietnam or China or something like that, helping them with their marketing efforts, like taking things we learned in the U.S. and bringing right. it over there. But, uh, yeah, marketing was my major. Oh, so you followed through with that. You didn't change your major or nothing? No, I stuck through it. Yeah, I went into I went in as a marketing business major, and I graduated as a marketing business major. Yeah. So what made your parents get you the camera? Uh, I was just talking. They saw me watch a lot of YouTube, and a lot of the things, like content I would watch is, like, videographers oh. and that kind of stuff, like the Casey Neistats of the world or Peter McKinnon's Peter McKinnon, of the world yeah. and Daniel Schiffer and stuff like that. Schiffer wasn't really around back then, but... Yeah, Nice Tat was really the one that inspired me to kind of get this whole thing going. Like, I watched all of his videos, and I was like, I want to do that. Mm. So um, when my parents saw how involved I was with those things, and I would talk about them all the time, they are like, well, let's just get you something intro like a GoPro. Okay, that's dope. Yeah. And you have parents that support going. you. Yeah, they didn't. They do. They, they Honestly, my mom is the best person in the world, right? Come from a single, single parent life, and uh, my, my mom is the best, and... Back when I was younger, I don't think she was able to see a lot of the things that I was interested in. Like when I was drawn and stuff, she never really pushed me to that. I did a little coding stuff and she never really saw that. But I think it took her a while to be like, you know what? I should actually give attention to the stuff that he's talking about. So when I was talking about the video things, um, yeah, she was she was all about it. So thankfully, it, it all worked out, huh? Because she, it's not like she tried to force something else on you that you didn't end up doing ultimately. So when she did get you the camera, it kind of works out in a way where you like, I'm actually going to use this camera. Yeah, exactly. By the time by the time I had the camera, um, I was already so uh, influenced by, you know, by nice tat this YouTube guy. And I was like, well, if he can do it, then I could I could try to do my best at it, too. So I was already ready to go full throttle. So when we got to Europe, I mean, even when we were boarding the plane, I already had that thing on recording. We were shooting away. So what were some of the other projects that you took on early on when you first started doing your video thing? When I was, uh, I had a corporate job for a long time. I was, uh, did corporate thing for four years. And while I was there, I was the lead digital marketing person for this corporate job. Oh, okay. And they gave me access to a lot of different resources, cameras and drones and stuff being one of them. So we would do a lot of like photo shoots and video shoots for the company, like doing big time commercial spots and all that. So I got really, really involved 
on the professional side of things when I was working with this corporate company. Okay. And once you start working with corporate, you start making some bread, start making some money, <laughs> and uh, you can afford yourself buying a camera. So the first camera I bought was a Sony A7S II. Ooh. Okay. And I bought myself a drone. I got the Phantom 4. That's a little more than a starter pack. Yeah, it's more than a starter pack. <laughs> and I think it's at that point it was like a lot of things we talked about offline, right? If I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Yes, right. And if I'm going to show up and do stuff for clients, I can't show up with some digital point and shoot and then like some rinky dink drone or whatever, <laughs> right? Because then how are they going to take me seriously? So I figured, you know what? If I want to do this stuff part time or at least try to, okay. I'm going to fully invest. So took in the knowledge I learned from YouTube and then the real life knowledge I learned from my actual corporate job, I started to combine those two. And when I invested in the actual tools that I needed, um, the first client I had was in the real estate industry. So, yeah, I started doing a lot of real estate stuff when I first started. OK, I know. How, I know how real estate goes. But yeah. I mean, like prior to that, prior to you going out and getting this and investing in this gear mm -hmm. and searching for your first few clients, how did you know that? How did you know that? All right. Maybe this maybe I'm not going to stay here at this corporate gig, corporate gig. Maybe I do have the power and the confidence to actually go out and branch out on my own and make something happen. Got you. I I think it was more about the joy of it all. Okay. You know, like the nine to five was fun and it, it paid me and it, it paid off all the necessities like rent and living and whatnot. But and it was fun. But there was something joyful, like happiness that came from me picking up a camera or picking up my GoPro at the time documenting something, editing it, and then telling whatever story I wanted to out of that documentation, mm -hmm. right? And I think that alone was the confidence that I needed to say, I don't know if you're going to be successful or not, but I do know you're going to be having super fun while you're doing it for as long as you can do it, right? And if, if you end up making money out of it, then that's also a win. But for the most part, you have this corporate thing that's already paying you. So why don't you do something that you actually enjoy on the side, too? Right. Yeah. Right. So that's kind of like that's like the confidence that I had is really just the fun in it. So at which point did you decide, all right, I'm going to do this part time because you just you mm -hmm. started off part, part time. Yeah. What point did you decide I'm going to do this part time? I'm going to build this agency and I'm going to work for myself eventually. Like when did that become the goal for you? Yeah. So um I was video recording uh, a few of my friends in the real estate industry. And I think after the, the very first client, um, after I got done with the video production firm, he goes, hey, how much do I owe you? And I was like, what do you owe me? Like what? And he's <laughs> like, you know, how much do I pay you for this whole thing? Like the video was dope. And I was in my head. I didn't think I was going to get paid. I thought I was just doing it for fun. And um, he distributed the first check. We, we came on mutual agreement. And after I got done with his project and he posted it, a ton of his friends and his network started reaching out. Yeah. And it started to be a thing where it was like, okay, I had one video project a month to now I had like three or four projects that week. Mm. Right. And then you get to a certain part because I'm big on like morals and ethics. So right. if I can't fully devote myself to the corporate job and I know I'm slacking there because when it got to the point where we were filming stuff three to four times a week, I would start like, you know, leaving work early or getting there super late. And then like, you it know, wasn't as much of a priority. Yeah. I was just like killing myself, like in both jobs and trying to make sure everyone's happy. And uh, I just knew at that point, like, you know, if this is if I can sustain this side thing that I truly love, love doing, then that's something that's worth at least trying for a year. So I gave myself like a 12 month timeline to say, yo, if you can do this in 12 months, you got something good.
Okay. Did you just did you just quit your job? Did you did you wait till you saved up a certain amount of money or what? Yeah. So I, I'm big on like having a run rate of cash, right? Because you know, like a run rate. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, a run rate meaning like um you have to have a certain amount of money saved up in your bank account for my goal was six months. So I need to have six months worth of finances so that if I make zero dollars on the side, I'm still good for six months. Right. Right. Knowing that I. I'm going to make money on the side. Yeah, of course. So my runway was like six months of runway. You can pay rent, you can eat food, you can pay gas, and then you're good. Right. So when I had that six month of runway, then that's when I decided to, okay, cool, we're going to get out of here and we're going to do this. So when did you decide to officially form the your, your agency? Yeah, so it was two years ago. It was October, it was October, I think it was October 15th is when I left corporate mm. and then I was from that day moving forward, I was doing my own thing. And then we finally incorporated April 1st of 2018. Oh, that's that's a good date, huh? You kind of did you form an LLC? Yeah, no, we did a so uh, we did an S Corp. Okay, never mind, yeah. never mind, never mind. I was about to, I was about to get into Why? your taxes business a little bit. You know, <laughs> yeah. you, know you gotta when you do the LLC because they have a annual tax. Yeah, you gotta you gotta be mindful of when you form it because then you gotta pay it again in April right. during tax season. So I'm like, all right, I, I see what you. All right, but maybe yeah. not. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we did the S corp thing, so we separated myself uh, from the business, even though it's under my name. Right. Yeah. All right, you got your company. You left your corporate job. Mm-hmm. You got your company. The, the next day, you still working in the company. For, for yourself yeah doing your own work by myself yeah so when when you left your corporate job did you have a feeling like how, how did that feel oh man it was uh it was terrifying to be honest with you <laughs> yeah you know like I, I was in that corporate job for four years so when you have a routine for four years you're just so accustomed to it you know and it's like it felt really safe yeah and uh it felt really comfortable and i was like you know this is why am I leaving something so good? A lot of people don't even have an opportunity to work for a company like this in the mm-hmm. position that I was at. So I almost thought I was kind of being foolish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then those two same words that I just said, the safe and comfortable thing, was also like the irony in it all. Yep. Because I was like, dang, dude, you're like 22, right? At then I was like 22, 23. And I was like, What's a, what do you want to be safe and, and comfortable for right now? Right. Right? Like, yeah. what's the point? Like, you can fail for the next year or two years a few times a few times you could fail straight for two years come out and you're 24 years old and you're still young as shit was that the push for you yeah that kind of was the push it was like you know I, I wasn't really people that know me know where i work so i don't ever say anything bad about where i was but i just wasn't as happy as i could be were there mm-hmm. and i knew like yeah you're safe and you're comfortable but you're not stoked on life right you're not waking up happy as shit yeah sorry can't cuss you i mean Sorry, yeah, express, happy. express yourself. Yeah, I, the team knows I cut a lot. So <laughs> I'm holding myself actually a lot back for this interview. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's when I knew. I was like, you know, there's no point in playing the safe and comfortable role when you have the rest of your life to do that. And I can always go, my biggest safety net was saying the experience that I accumulate through this one year of doing my own thing, I can always take that and go back to the corporate world. Mm-hmm. Worst case scenario. Yeah. Right? Worst case, I go right back to the corporate world and I do my thing. But I, I, I don't like living in that uh, shoulda, coulda, woulda place. And if yeah. I knew if I didn't take the leap, I would have regretted it. So I understand how you feel completely. That's how I felt like when I decided to get out the Navy. Yeah. I was in there for four years, comfortable. Mm-hmm. I know I know I'm going to get paid. I know I'm going to get some food. I know my car is good. I know rent is good. Like, I'm not worried about nothing. All the only thing I have to do is show up. Yeah. Every day. All you have to do is show up. But it comes to a point where you're like, I'm not really happy doing this. And I'm dreading it. 
Like yeah. before, I'm like, I can't wait for Friday. Right. And now I don't even realize when it is Friday. I, I'm I'm a little upset at Fridays <laughs> these yeah. days. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, respect is what I'm saying. That's yeah, <laughs> for sure. No, I totally agree with you too. I mean, I said it offline, but one, like, thank you for your service and what you did. <laughs> Love. And it, there's both sides of the coin, I think, for you are bravery, right? Yeah. It's like, it's brave doing this too and putting yourself out there. For those of you you don't know on the podcast... Me and Don met just through an Instagram DM. Yeah, go send a message. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And we met through an Instagram DM and literally like it, it was the most nonchalant interaction I had. And when we met, it was like the most easy going, natural thing ever. Like and familiar. Yeah, it was cool. Like <laughs> there was no like procedures. It didn't feel like I was going to get ran through a TSA check. You know, <laughs> it was kind of like, yo, where do you want to do this? OK, cool. We're going to start the podcast. Let's do it. So we're. So Mad I'm props and respect to you. Respect. I appreciate yeah. all the kind words. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and for having me on the podcast. Listen, I appreciate you. What else do I want to know from you? All right. So what do you do within the company right now? Yeah. So um, I'm the founder of the company and I'm, I'm very blessed and fortunate to have an amazing team behind my back. And um, for the longest time when I first started the company, the whole goal was to never have a team. What? Yeah, I wanted to be like, a, they call it like a digital nomad, you know? You're a freelancer, <laughs> you're on your own, you do your own thing, you work from the beach, and you go swim in the pool, and then you open a laptop <laughs> and you work. And like, I wanted to be my own uh, one-man band. Um, until I realized all the things that I wanted to do, I needed the support to do it. That's right. So, I have a really smart team behind me, and um, the main thing that I do now is just oversee the company. Uh, so, oversee all the accounts that they manage from all their clients. But the biggest part that my biggest role really is like the the business admin stuff, like the nitty gritty stuff that no one really wants to do. Yes. Like the finances and the paperwork and the corporation stuff and the taxes stuff. And yes. Payroll. And, you know, like mm -hmm. the, and like finding like software management tools and customer relation management tools, like those things that help the team run better. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that I'm really focused on at a high level and ultimately getting cool, nice clients that everyone wants to work with so that we can keep growing. I'm glad that you decided to build yourself a team. Yeah, you think so? Why yeah, is that? Because, like, you know, especially as a, as creatives, it's kind of hard to lose control. Yeah. But when you start a company and you're still trying to do everything yourself, you end up working in the company instead right. of, like, on the company. So you right. can never really scale that way if you're busy yeah. pulling out your camera and shooting everything and yeah. editing everything. Yeah. So when you do form that team, then it's like, can, can your company function without you? Yeah, I, can the f company function without me? I think. Can you take a vacation and you know that everything yeah, is safe? Yeah, for sure. I think the the one thing I will say about my team is, or anyone out there listening is, you never want to hire, you always want to hire someone smarter than you. That's right. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And you have to have, you have to give them the creative autonomy to be able to do the things that they think is best. And then if they're doing things great, then awesome. And if they need a little bit of tailoring or auditing, then awesome too. But the the company can totally function without me. My girlfriend and I just left to Bali and we were there for 10 days and I was like in the future over there because it's like the time zone was different, right? So I was a day ahead and the team just had my back and they were holding down the fort and it was like, it was amazing. But you just said something that I want to touch on. What did you just say? I'm, I'm Working on the business instead of working oh, in it instead yeah. of on it. Yeah. You're 100% you're right. So the reason why I decided to get a team ultimately is to scale. Yeah. And the the one thing that I realized is that if I'm in the trenches, then there's no way that I can be able to think bigger. That's right. For the company. You need that bird eyes view so you can see yeah. how everything is functioning. Yeah, exactly. Like there, there's one thing to say, too, because I do find a lot of founders out there 
that when they get to that level where they can bird's eye view it, they just get on a spaceship and leave, <laughs> right? And then it's like, where are they at? Yeah. So I'm a big proponent of you have to still be able to roll up your sleeves and get dirty with the team when needed. That's right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that should be about like 15, 20% of your efforts. The rest of it should be relying on them, trusting them, and then trying to grow the business for That's more right. team members to come in. and Network and getting new clientele. Yeah. 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 I agree with you 100. Yeah. So that, that was a really good point. That's something I forgot about or forgot to mention. Yeah. You spend all that time working in the business instead of working on the business because you don't want to give up that type, that control. Yeah. For you too, is this something like, do you like doing this with the actual person across from you? Or do you want to get to a point where you're kind of running the business admin bird's eye view and there's someone else running podcasts and all that stuff oh this podcast in particular i want to i want you to be here yeah like i said like this is a passion project of mine like i really want to get information for myself and for for the the people that's listening for the people that don't have the confidence for creatives who don't have the confidence to actually step on their own who might need a push who might need some information before going out there Mm. i want this podcast to be that for them for sure yeah for me i want to be here everything else though i'm cool with giving up control i'm cool just watching everything and making sure everything flow I'm cool with going to all these different networking events and trying to make sales, and I'm cool with all that. Yeah. I want to scale a business. I want people, like I said this on the last po- podcast, I want people who's better than me. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, it's really that simple. Like, I want the people, I don't want to be the smartest person in the room. For real. I don't want to be the most knowledgeable about anything in the room. I want the people that's in the room with me to ask me questions that I got to mm. go find out the answers to. Yeah, exactly. I want, I want to be around people that's challenging me, and I want people around me that's, going to challenge themselves to be better yeah yeah exactly i agree with that 100 percent. i think that's really smart and i feel like unless you get to that point where you can alleviate some of the responsibility you'll never really grow yourself either that's right right. because if you stay in the trenches too long it's like that's all you ever end up knowing it becomes a rat race yeah yeah exactly so you kind of free yourself by relieving some responsibilities even though you feel like you're letting go of control Mm -hmm. you actually gain more knowledge and more learning elsewhere because now you're able to go and do other things. That's right. You yeah. let that go so you can gain some time back. Yeah, exactly. Time is so important. It is. Time is so, so important. Especially when you work with clients and you have a client agency and you got to appease clients. Time is of the essence, <laughs> you know, like deadlines are, deadlines are a thing. Deadlines are a real <laughs> thing. Yeah. Um. So wait, let me ask you, how did you go about finding the people to add onto your team? Like, how did you know? What 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 about these people that you added made you feel safe and comfortable enough to actually let go? Yeah. So in my previous life, I did a lot of hiring and onboarding. Okay. So I had like a traditional way of knowing what to say in an interview and what to ask in an interview and things that you should look for in an interview, right? But then the one thing I learned in my previous life of hiring and onboarding is that you never really know what you're going to get, <laughs> you know? Like yeah. people can ace the interview <laughs> and then show up to work the next day and be completely different than what you thought. Right. So I more so rely on like my emotion, like my EQ, right? Like my awareness of someone and kind of vibing people out. I feel like I do have a strength in being able to read someone Mm -hmm. and being able to tell really fast if they're a good person and they're a hard worker, right? Yeah. And so how I met these people is a a lot of it is because through college, there's a lot of like, um, I had a lot of friends and whatnot, and it was just a lot through referrals. Like, oh, hey, I know you're opening up a business. I know somebody that's looking for a job. Or some of my close network of people said, oh, I know you're open up in business. Can I work for you? So oh, that's dope. It, it was kind of How like, can I help? Yeah, how can I help? I want to be part of the journey. So a lot of it was like referrals, which was good. I never really had to do like outbound marketing to try to find new hires for the team. Mm-hmm. And then the ideas when I either sat them across from me or talked to them on the phone, it was just 
more so getting the essence of who they were. You know, like, is this a good person and can they work hard and are they teachable? That's really the three main rubrics of things <laughs> that I can look to. Yeah, that you know? is so funny. So, why? Why do you say that? Because um, what happened last night, I was FaceTiming with my nephew. My nephew's 13. He's out in New York right now. And I was just trying to figure out, I'm like, yeah, I need somebody to manage my social media or whatever. Because I feel like if you look to the kids, the kids going to tell you what's happening tomorrow. For sure. So yeah. I'm like, I need somebody to manage this or whatever. He's like, all right, cool, cool. I'm like, all right, what social media platforms are you on right now? He said he's on Snapchat and and something else. I really I was expecting for him to say TikTok. He did not say TikTok, though. Okay, got you. So I'm like, all right, cool. And I'm just trying to figure something out because I'm like, I'm not really, I don't really care about Snapchat right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. For real. So I'm like. So by the time we ended the phone call, I ended up telling him, how about you call me back and let me know how you can help me? Uh. He was like, all right. <laughs> nice. That's a good way to put it, put it in their court. Yeah. Yeah, put the ball in their court. How can you help me? So I think yeah. it's pretty dope. Yeah. I think, the, I think the interesting there, what you said, which I totally agree with is, you know, back when I was in the corporate world, I was the youngest one, mm-hmm. right? So it made sense because I was in digital marketing. So I was supposed to be in the loop of everything that was happening right. on social media or whatever it was, TikTok. Um. Back then, it was like Vine. So, but now, I'm the old geezer <laughs> in the room, and they know it. Like, the, the team, they, they know it. They know it. Like, and I'm not afraid to mention it, but, like, I think I learned that, you know, the, in their generation, they're more in tune with everything that's going on in the world and what's trending and what's hot and what's not. And if our clients are looking for that type of support, right. it just can't be me thinking of those things. I got to hire someone that's in that world, you know, yeah. professional and personal. And so we literally just before this, we're talking about TikTok down there and is it going to be the next big thing? And one of the girls here literally downloaded the app and she's been on it and stuff like that. But I don't care to be on TikTok, <laughs> nor do I care to be on Snapchat. Right. But right. I know it because of the team and, and how influenced they are about those things. So exactly. it's cool to stay up to date through a third party. You know, it's really, it's especially really cool. like when you're working with um, different businesses and you know, the businesses they want to be around, right? That's yeah. the whole point. Longevity. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you're working with these different clients and you're offering them social media management services or whatever, mm-hmm. you got to know what's coming next. Yeah, exactly. You have to know. Exactly. You also have to know what social media platform is right for the client. Right. So it's not always the hottest thing. Because if their demographic that they're trying to go after is older, mm-hmm. then you're not going to recommend a TikTok, no matter how popping it is. Get on Facebook. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If it's older, then you get on Facebook. And if you're trying to get after the little teeny teeny bots or whatever, then then yeah, then we should look at TikTok and see what it does. So I'd never say it's like a cookie cutter. When we work with our clients, it's never a cookie cutter template that we give to everybody. Right. Everyone is like bespoke, customized, and it's like... Everyone is different depending on what your needs are. You know? The goals are different. The demographics is different. Yeah, exactly. There isn't no formula. And that's what's funny when I see a lot of these like, you know, influencer marketing entrepreneurs on Instagram like, oh, seven step guide to success. And I'm like, for who? You know, like <laughs> who? who are you who depending on who you're talking to, yeah. the seven steps could be ten or it could be three. <laughs> so it's like there's a lot of BS out in the world, and I, I'm glad I get to share my time with someone who's real. And I, I don't like to surround myself with people that are real. Yeah, I don't like the, any of that hoorah stuff. Are you working on a book? I'm not working on a book. No, I that would be cool. I never had that as like a goal in in the bucket list, but that would be cool at okay. one point. I just I just figure I ask whatever yeah, random yeah. question. I'm just whatever. Yeah, it's just a thought. Yeah, um, are you uh, working on a book? I'm. I don't think maybe. Okay. I could be working on a book. This past summer, I wanted to write a book about exactly this. So okay. I reached out to a couple videographers and a couple different artists that I knew, and I asked, I just sent them a list of questions, and they just sure. sent it over. So in my head at the time, I was like, all right, I'm going to get this information from them, compile it into a book, 
and I'm gonna give it out to creatives or whatever so they could use this to benefit. For sure. But I guess that evolved into a podcast. So I'm, yeah. I'm <laughs> Honestly, this is the I, I'm I'm a big fan of this because I'm not a reader at all. Like I'm a listener, you <laughs> right. know. So I do the podcast stuff and I listen to the audio book, but I'm not a big reader. And I feel like nowadays with how mobile people are, this is the way to retain and consume information is yeah. is listening to it because so. i spend a lot of time in my car these days yeah like traveling from place to place so sure. audio books and these podcasts they really do come in handy yeah they really do and it's i feel like this is a good niche for you because you're good at conversation Emma, right thank you because there's people like it's not their strength like a lot of my homies that are really smart they can't really express themselves so i'm telling them to go write like mm-hmm. make a blog post yeah if you want to express yourself there's multiple mediums to do it's just whatever is best fitting for you so i feel like you chose the right medium for your personality as opposed to forcing yourself to like write respect whatever you know respect yeah and not saying that's saying to hype you up at the same time it's like for the people listening is like find your lane you know yeah. like just because podcast is hopping right now if you're not someone that's comfortable with meeting new people and trying to hold a 30 to 45 minute conversation and make it intriguing it's probably not the right thing for you, but if you can sit in your room and write some fire ass, you know, a blog post, yeah. then go on media, make yourself an account and then start creating that way. Like, or pick up a camera. There's tons of different ways to express yourself. So you just got to find your lane. Do you know? what works for you. Yeah, for real. I'm not a writer. So <laughs> yeah, I'm terrible at writing. I'm, I do. Okay. I mean, yeah. I, you, I, I'm pretty sure you will. I, yeah. I do. Okay. At if a you lot do of make a book, I want like the first 10 copies. If I can get one, of the you know the first ones that <laughs> the hit the print yeah with the signature yeah I'll take that I'm a I'm a I'm a save this little snippet somewhere okay yeah yeah you should uh, first one to hear it it might be an ebook though so I don't know okay actually um I mean this got nothing to do with nothing because sure. you do digital marketing but yeah. the thought just came to me I got in the mail the other day probably like last week it was a holiday book from Amazon okay and that had me thinking a little bit so everything's been digital. Mm-hmm. Everything, like if you, you're going to get a book, it's probably going to be an ebook or a PDF or something like that. But Amazon actually sent out a holiday catalog. Yeah. Print. Yeah. I haven't seen one of those since I was a kid, like JC Pennies or whatever, like around this time of the year when, when they trying to get you to buy all the toys or whatever so you can hound your mama for it. Yeah. What do you think about print material these days? Oh, man. Print. Here's the thing. So. We live in a super digital world right now, right. right? So I can't speak exactly to like print, but what I can say is people are yearning for experiential things, you know? Nostalgia. Nostal- nostalgia, but I'm talking about tangibles. Like mm. right now everything's through a screen, so you're tapping it or you're clicking it, but people miss experiential stuff like a pop-up store or going to an event that has things that you can touch and feel and be immersed physically in person immersed into a project right you know or an experience so that's why i think travel right now is such a big thing so like i do say that there's a in order to reach the masses you have to go the digital marketing route because it's the most scalable way but if you can't afford it there, there's something about that experience where you can host an event and bring people there and i think that's the strongest way to really communicate your brand because at the end of the day even though i'm in digital marketing i feel like the strongest form of marketing still is word of mouth hundred percent. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So if you can get people in a room and talking about each other and there they can whip out their phones and Instagram stuff. I think that is the true way to kind of cause this, this organic way of, of promoting yourself. Well, how do you get the people in a room? 
Yeah, that's what the digital marketing <laughs> part. Yeah, so digital marketing gets to the masses, and then you promote an event, and when you get them to show up, I think that's that's kind of like where the real magic happens. Because only so much, only so much familiarity and relationship building can happen through a screen. Yeah. Right. And our job is to get them right there to the cusp, and then what we call is the call to actions. We want them to go somewhere or go do something to be able to touch and feel the product or the service. So. I think digital marketing is how you talk to people and get them excited, but you need to have something that they can touch and feel for an experience for them to really be about your brand or or an your experience. service. Yeah, an experience. You don't have to be in a room for an experience. Yeah, you can experience experience <laughs> an experience through video. You could experience it through video. I think you can. You can, but it, even though I'm in that world too, I think there's a limitation of that, like movies and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like you watch it to learn and kind of be lost and you know, get lost in that world. But oftentimes if you see a video and they're like out on vacation in Hawaii, the next thing you want to do is like, oh, damn, I want to go to Hawaii. That looks dope. <laughs> yeah. You know, like you kind of want to go there. I you need wanna, a good beach. Yeah, you want to live that. You don't want to just see it. You kind of want to live that for a little bit. So I feel like that next step is kind of creating that thing. Hence that Amazon book, right? You get to touch it and feel it. And it's kind of cool. And yeah. look, we're talking about it. So yeah. they did their job. They did. Yeah. I, I want to add, what are your thoughts on a on a sales funnel? A sales funnel? Yeah. What what do you mean? Like where do I where do I start on that? Um, the top. Yeah. <laughs> Brand awareness. What 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 are my thoughts on it? Yeah, so um, like, is it is it? All right. So you hear about a funnel, right? Yeah. I want you to know about who I am. Right. Down to the right. bottom. Yeah. I want you to purchase my product or service. Yeah. Exactly. How do I feel about it? Like, do I agree with it or yeah, like? Is it like a one size fit all? Is that something that you all use in your agency? Yeah. How do you tailor it? So uh, funnels are real and people talk about <laughs> funnels all the time. At first when I heard a funnel, I thought of funnel cake, but it's, it's not a funnel is, it's real, but it's, it's not a one size fit all. There's multiple funnels depending on what you're trying to do. Like, let's just talk about paid social media advertising. So you're scrolling down on Facebook or Instagram and you see a sponsored ad, right? Right. That's paid social media advertising. There's multiple different funnels that you could do within that. But the typical funnel, do you want me to explain? Yeah, I'm listening funnel? because I want to know. Okay, cool. So the, uh, a funnel that we use that, that works a lot with a bunch of our clients is the, the first thing you want to do is the best thing to have in terms of an asset is either a, a video is number one. And then at the very least, you need some type of photo because mm-hmm. when you run an ad, you have to have some type of creative is what you would call it. You have to have creative to show it to people. Right. And for me, no matter what the funnel is, the creative is the variable. So if your creative sucks, I don't care what variable or what funnel you have, it's not going to work. Because if it's not going to grab, if the person seeing that creative, it doesn't get emotionally attached to it or react to it, then your funnel is obsolete. They're not even going to jump in. That's right. So advice to everyone out there, creators or whatever, if you're trying to run a sponsored ad, make sure your creative is super dope and, and something that you can resonate with and you think is going to be fire to everyone else that's seeing it. So that's my advice, number one. Once you have that creative, the first part of your funnel, the very top, is what we call a brand awareness campaign. This is just if, it really depends on what the call to action is at the very end, right? So if you want people to just know who you are, you don't want them to purchase a book or go to your podcast or anything, you just want them to know who you are. The first thing is set up a brand awareness campaign. And the reason why you want to do a brand awareness campaign is because it's the cheapest campaign that you can set up. That means that the cost, when they click on it, is going to be somewhere around like three to seven cents per click. It's really, really cheap. And the reason why you want to do that is it goes and it shoots out to as many people as you want to target. So set up a brand awareness awareness campaign is number one. Um, 
when you get into the funnel, make sure that you, the most important thing is that you do specific target targeting for your audiences. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, you got to know who your demographic is. Yeah, exactly. So having creative, I'm going to backstep. Having creative is number one. Knowing who your demographic is is number two. Right. Because you can't just, a lot of people that I know out there in the agency world and clients, they'll just like go and boost the post. So they post something and they boost it to whoever. They don't even set up any parameters. They just boost it and they just mm. wasted like 10, 15, 20 bucks. I've done that a few times. Yeah, it's not. I didn't know any better. Yeah, I feel you. And that's good that you tried it now that you know. <laughs> but I would never recommend that to anybody. Like, I didn't have a goal or nothing. So yeah. It was just, it was just whatever. It was just a waste of money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You kind of throw money away when you do a boosted post. But the biggest thing around these targeted sponsored ads is that you can get super specific with it. You can go age demographic. You can go location, zip code of where they live, a certain mile radius around a location, all their interests, their household income, mm -hmm. if they have kids or not. It's crazy. So if you know who you're going after, you're <laughs> winning, right? It's crazy. Can I can I cut you off right quick? Yeah. So all these different things, because I know that you can narrow it down by all these different things. Yeah. But that got me thinking about, uh, I was talking about Mark Zuckerberg a couple, okay. a couple days ago, and this is all the information. When you hear about big data, <laughs> mm. when you hear about these companies collecting all your data and all your info, and Facebook in particular, yeah. this is what it's being used for. So if you're a small business owner or an entrepreneur, and they got all your stuff anyway, you might as well use it to your advantage. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, we're all susceptible to it, and we all kind of engage in it every day, and all of our information is out there in the world. Thank yeah. God they're, they're, they're regulating it, though, right? They're, they're regulating how much they can see and how much marketing agencies can use and mm -hmm. how much these social platforms can, can um, release out there to other people. So that's the good part of it, but the reality is your information is out there. That's right. Right? So... If you are a business that's trying to sell your service or a product, you should use these tools to your advantage, which means you got to be smart and do the homework to know exactly who you're trying to talk to. Because if you don't, you're going to waste a lot of money trying to figure it out. Right? <laughs> yeah. You're going to waste a lot of money trying to figure that out. So, um, yeah, start off with brand awareness. After that, you get them to a traffic campaign. You still want me to talk about the funnel? Yeah, yeah, I'm okay, listening. Cool. Brand awareness is the very top of the funnel. You get a bunch of eyeballs into this thing, right? A bunch of eyeballs to see whatever your post is going to be. The second thing you should do is now you're going to retarget all the people that initially saw your ad or commented on it or shared it or did some type of engagement with it, and then you send them to a traffic campaign. What that means is now it's going to cost a little bit more, but now instead of people just seeing your post, you want them to do something. Mm. So now you're going to retarget all the people that were initially engaged. So now you already know they're warm, right? right they're right. a warm audience. You don't want cold people anymore. You already did that in the brand awareness campaign. So go after all your warm people. And get them to what's called a traffic objective on Facebook. And that traffic objective is to get them to a certain landing page where you want them to learn more about you. Right. And this is where, this is where landing pages come into play. But I don't want to go so deep into that. Have a landing page set up. Just for, just for yeah. your landing page should also have a call to action. Yeah, and exactly. Contact info and stuff like that. Exactly. All right. But Make sure your landing page is super built out. I'm talking whatever product or service you're trying to sell, everything about you, everything about your company everything about how it's going to help that person if they decide to buy it. Give away something free on there, like a value-added thing, like, hey, download this free PDF that teaches you how to start off a podcast, right? Something mm -hmm. of value and then something to get their information at the end. Collecting them email addresses. Yeah, so you need the first, last name, email, and if you can get more, then take more, but at least have those two things, those three things as required fields to sign up to get that free something. That might be a book I'm working on. Thank you. Yeah, that'd be tight. <laughs> that would be super tight. So traffic campaign, boom, done, right? Now you got people over to the page. The third part of the funnel is you take everyone that landed on your page, 
And the reason how you know that is you take a pixel on Facebook and you put it on your landing page. Mm. So you take a pixel on Facebook, it'll give you a code. You take that code either yourself or you give it to your software developer. They put it on the back end of the website. And now the pixel is going to track everything. Whoever visits there from your Facebook ad or Instagram ad, they're going to track it all. That's dope. Yeah, and they're going to store it in a little system. So the la- uh, second to last part of the funnel is you take the pixel information of everyone who's vid- visited your site in the last 30 days, and you now you send an ad out to them to go and add something to cart. So if you're trying to sell a product or sell a service, let's just say I want to sell watches, your next goal is to get all the people that visited your website and engaged with you on your website to now go back to the website and not buy something, but just be interested enough to add to cart, mm-hmm. right? So I want to buy a watch. Your, your add to cart campaign should have a promo offer. That's what's going to get them back to the site. So, hey, I remember you. Go back and check out our stuff. Here's a $10 off promo code for a watch. Mm. You don't really want them to buy anything yet. You just want to get them back there. The truth is you want a company or you want a person to see your brand about six to seven times so they get familiar with you, right? Yep. So the more times you remarket to them, the more familiar they're going to be. And it feels less like a cold call, but more of like a third or fourth introduction to the brand. And then the very last part of the funnel at the very end is if they add it to cart, your very last part of the funnel is a purchase conversion funnel, which means now you're going to come back to them one more time with a different message saying that, hey, we miss you or, hey, we know that you like this certain product. You show them that product again and now you're going to get them to purchase. So, okay. That was a lot. It was a lot. Yeah, it was like nerdy talk. It was a it's, lot of information. Nerdy talk. I mean, I was following. I'm tracking what you're saying. Yeah, I have a question, yeah. though, about that. Yeah. How many funnels can you have running at once? You can have a ton. Yeah, our biggest thing is, you know, you never want to go out there uh, with like a one piece of creative and hoping that that's your silver bullet. You know, mm-hmm. a big thing in this marketing world is just you got to test, 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 test. And you spend a lot of money doing it, but that's the best way to know what works and what doesn't. I was about to ask you about testing, too. So I read yeah. somewhere that say you're running ads on Facebook. Yeah. You run like three different ads, yeah. three different images or creative mm-hmm. assets or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you probably what you run it for like a day, a dollar for a day. Mm-hmm. And then you see how which ones does best, and that's the one that you put more money behind. Yeah, exactly. Is is that how it goes? Kind of. Yeah, you kind of got it. So, uh, for me, it's called A/B testing, right? Mm-hmm. My piece of advice for you is you only and anyone listening test one thing at a time. So there's two things that you can test in an ad, or three. You could test the photo or video, creative. You can test the messaging, what you put in the caption. Copy. Like, oh, hey, what's up? Yeah, the copy. And then the last thing is your call to action. Is it learn more? Is it shop now? Is it whatever? So only test one thing at a time. So you can have three different ads set up for a test and you can have, make sure all of them have the same photo, but then the variable is the copy. So now you're trying to test copy first. Okay. So is it, hey, what's up, San Diego? I have a product for you. That's test number one. Same photo on the next one, but it's like, hey, watch lovers, right? And then the third one is like, are you interested in a watch? Mm. So now you got three different tests on copy, right? And then you're going to see within two to three days real fast, which one is working the best? So now you know, cool, this is the strongest performing copy. What you do from there is you take that strongest performing copy and now you switch out all the creative. So now I got the best copy and I'm going to switch, I'm going to test the creative out. So is it the black watch, the white watch, or the gray watch that's the most popping? And then after two days, you're going to find that out. It's the black watch. So now you have the strongest copy with the strongest creative and that's like your silver bullet. But in order to get there, you got to test. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's dope. Okay, cool. I'm, 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 I'm taking in everything that you're saying and yeah. I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to apply it later. Yeah. I'm sorry I'm using like random scenarios and stuff like that. But if you even want to give me like, okay, this is what I want to do, I can try to think of it on the spot. 
I'm nah 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 nah. I'm tracking. Yeah. I wish I had. I wish I had some examples for you. At some point, we're gonna have people calling, but we ain't there. Yet. Yeah, for sure. Cool. <laughs> like the frequently asked questions or whatever. Exactly. Um, and and you also mentioned like monetary value. So my biggest thing is you gotta at least try to spend five dollars a day on Facebook right now, at least to be competitive. Mm. So that should be the the bare 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 minimum. Um, our biggest goal is if you can spend anywhere from like. Five hundred to six hundred dollars a month on your advertising—that's like the sweet spot. Because well, how long would they have to be sustainable? Thirty days. So a thirty-day test for six, five hundred, six hundred dollars like that, and that's when you'll know you'll get some results that way. Just for testing? Like no, that no, no that, t- that's that's your like campaign. So how long? I'm saying like how long should these campaigns run? Like if you say like, hey, look, if to be competitive, ideally you want to spend about five to six hundred dollars a month. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How many months do these like? Do it need to be a recurring investment? Does it need to be ongoing? Well, ideally, is it within the first three months you'll find out real fast if you're going to be profitable or not, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what that three months is really your timeline to gauge. Like, okay, are my ads working? Which means, am I making money yet, or am I still losing money? So if you're still losing money after three months, either something wrong with your product or service, or something's wrong with the way that you set up your ads, mm-hmm. right? But mm-hmm. ideally, social media right now is giving a good ROI when you put money into facebook advertising or instagram advertising you should be seeing some type of return within three months so if you're not there's two tangible something's wrong with your product or service or something's wrong with the way you set it up okay so at what point do you think like as a, as a business owner or an entrepreneur mm-hmm. should someone go out and start to pay for advertising um it's a hard question because it all matters on what your budget is mm-hmm. you know and what your goals are let's right? say this business like there's no money in a business yeah. Aside from everything being funded out of pocket. Okay. And, gotcha. you know, whatever clients that this person may come across every now and again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At which point do they try to put some money into, into a funnel or something? Yeah. So if you're a company that has zero, like very little funds, I recommend doing all the free stuff first. And there's a ton of free stuff out there. You send emails out for free. Email marketing is still strong. You can still make a website, even though you got to pay for a domain name. But Websites are relatively free if you create it from scratch. When you say email marketing, are we talking HTML? Or are we just talking like straight straight text? Like uh, MailChimp, that that type of stuff, like sending out. Yeah, not really HTML, but just, you know, having a photo with a message and a call to action button. That's not attached. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, And then you could do SEO. All those things are free on your own, no pay. I feel like for a company that has, once you start having enough budget where you can have an extra six to seven hundred dollars in the bank, which is left over to put back towards marketing. Right. I think the first thing you should do is go into sponsored ads. Mm. Yeah. So once you have reserve and you have monies to allocate into some type of digital marketing, the first thing you should go into is sponsored ads. Mm. What are your thoughts on influencers? I think they're super dope, but they're also very expensive. I I just did a video on my Instagram channel about influencer marketing, and influencer marketing is a real thing. And we're also big, big believers in it because a lot of the ways and decisions that we make come from people that are that we get influenced from. Mm. So it's a very strong and viable market. Uh, the only thing about influencer marketing is uh, it's very expensive, mm. especially if you want to get to the influencer levels of you know anyone that has over 500,000 followers or uh, a million nah. thousand followers nah, nah. I hear once you get once they get that big then it's not really it, it don't really do much for you yeah because I know if I see a big name they, let's say they got 500,000 followers and 
they start promoting a product. I'm not going to pay no attention to that product because I already feel like this person is just trying to sell me or something. Yeah. But if it's a smaller account with like, you know, those smaller influencers are able to build that relationship with their followers. Yeah. And they're really able to engage with them. Then I might, I might consider what that person is selling more. Right. I mean, you would be, I, I think you're right to that, right? Once they get to a certain level, it's like if they're sponsoring that, you know, they just got paid for it. But at the highest levels of influencers, they don't pick a brand unless they believe in it. Mm. right so if you're following like a kylie jenner or whatever you know she don't need money so when she does say like actually i really believe in this brand and i will sponsor you guys and i will say something about it to my followers that actually means something and she Mm. probably uses the product themselves so her followers know like okay cool if kylie's talking about it i probably want in on that Mm. because those big influencers they don't take they don't need the the brand deal yeah that is you know so i think at the high level Obviously, for a lot of people, you know, at home listening, it's going to take a long time to get to be able to afford something like that at that level. And then micro. So that's the final point on that. But micro influencers are a thing. And I think it's something worthwhile looking into um, if you can find the right person for your market. Right. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I was about to ask you next. Like, how do you even find these people? Like, is it some type of agency that you go through? Do you just got to Google search them? How do you know that they're going to be a good fit for your brand? How do you vet these people? Like, like, what's up? Yeah, it's it's really hard. I feel like a lot of it is, well, there are there are websites out there that you can go to. Uh, I think Twitter just launched a parent com- or a child company right now that has, it's like a, it's like a Tinder for influencers. I forgot the name of it, but I will send it to you after the call. But it's you go on there, and it's a bunch of profiles, a bunch of influencers out there, and you can literally request a message to them and then tell them about whatever promotion you're trying to do, and they'll get back to you. And then they'll have their prices on there. So there's easy, accessible ways to reach some of these influencers. The ones that you find that are local influencers that are maybe won't make it on that website, you just got to do the dirty work. You got to hit them up on the DM and uh, talk about your brand, see if you can get a meeting with them, and try to activate a deal. Mm. This is gonna seem a little a little backwards. Yeah. But I kinda wanna go back a little bit to to you forming a company uh-huh. yeah. and finding finding clients. Were they all through word of mouth? They were, yeah. All of them were referrals. Was that the question I wanted to ask you? I know I want to take it back there and ask you something. No, I mean it was a good question. A lot of people ask me is like, you know, what kind of marketing do you do for yourself? Like, how do you find these clients or whatever? But I, I was fortunate enough to be in a cool position and put myself out there for four or five years uh, in the industry. And I networked myself through college and whatnot. So by the time I started the company, there was a, the fun fact is the corporate job I had for four years, when I left them, they wanted to be my first client. Oh, that's dope. Yeah. So it matters who you are and how you are to people, mm. you know? And like, I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, when you're out there money, hungry for the money, you kind of act a certain way. And there's always two ways to get to success, right? You can either be a dick or you can be the nicest person in the world. And there's no wrong way. I just choose to be nice. You know, there's people out there that are not people that I like, but they still <laughs> made it in their sense. Right. Yeah. But I was able to just build relationships and kind of foster those relationships through the years. So yeah, my corp, the corporate job when I left said, yo, can we be your first client? And then from there, it was just trickle down effect from everyone else is really cool that's dope so you've been you've had your company for about two years now two years now yeah that's that's amazing thank you yeah it's it's, still afloat it's been a fun ride (laughs) yeah i mean there yeah i mean like everyone knows you know with the business things there's ups and there's downs to it but right now there's more ups than there is downs for sure that's always a positive it's always a positive yeah exactly yeah you want to be positive in finances and in life for sure you had your company for two two years now. Uh-huh. What do you wish that you what 
what advice would you give yourself then that you know now? When I first started. Yep. Yeah. Um, first thing, what I would tell myself is um, niche down faster. Mm. So when we first started, it was like um shotgun approach, right? I was like, yo, I'll take any client, <laughs> any account, any industry, bring it on. Yep. I was everywhere, man. I was in like the app world and I was in like the real estate world and then I was in like food world and I was in like, like <laughs> uh, everywhere. And um, the, the, the one thing that I keep coming back to life is that you know what you don't want a lot more than you know what you want. Right. And that applies in business is because when you do a lot of stuff that you don't really like doing in work, you end up spending more time doing those things when you can really just focus in on a few things. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what I would tell myself is niche down. Don't go after the whole pot. Uh, when you first start, find those three things that you really like to do, do it faster and then you'll be less stressful. Don't you got to figure out a way? Like how do you, if that's the case, then how do you figure out what, what those two or three things are going to be? I think when I was younger, I kind of knew, like when I would be approached by a client, I kind of had a gut instinct like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> what, you going to dread it or not? Yeah. Like yeah. You, I always knew, but I would just take it anyways because I was trying to build a business. Right. right. So I needed income. Mm -hmm. And so I said yes to a lot of stuff. But in hindsight, if I would have just tripled down on the clients that I had, I probably could have made the same type of income from those people than bringing on people that I really, really didn't want to work with. And been happier. Yeah, exactly. So if I would have told myself that then, I think. My younger me would have been like, oh, this is one of those moments where you're saying, don't take this job. Yeah. <laughs> All right. One last question. Sure. What does it mean for you to be a creative in business? What does it mean to be a creative in business? It's my first time asking the question. That's a, that's a loaded question. What does it mean to be a creative? I think, I think creatives in business have a massive upper hand and I'll start with that first is we're really we're I don't want to use the same word in it but we're really creative thinkers right we think outside the box a lot <laughs> and we tend to open up opportunities for ourselves because we don't let ourselves be confined by traditional normal things right we like to push ourselves out of our comfort zones to kind of explore and create and find self-happiness through those actions. Preach. Yeah. So I think there is a huge benefit to being a creative in business because you, you tend to go to untreaded waters that people don't want to go to so long as that makes you happy. Right. And so I think if you are a creative and you're in business, then you're in good shape. And now to, to, to go against that a little bit, something you should look out for as a creative is, there's more to running a business than just being creative. Yes. You know, so um, the biggest advice I would give if I could be an antagonist to that, that question would be, you know, your creative freedom and all those things that you want to express are going to be there. But the, the biggest thing you want to do to keep your business sustainable is either you find someone to manage the business admin side of things like your paper and your payroll and your leases and taxes and all that stuff um or you've put in the work to do it yourself but i tell you this like it won't work if you don't have the x's and o's crossed off as much as you want to be passionate or whatever you have to be somewhat business savvy so um that's what i would say does that work i don't know is that what it means to you that's what it means to me yeah then it works yeah cool. it works thank you 
Thank you. This was awesome. <laughs> very, Thank very, you. uh, I, I enjoy this a lot and I appreciate all the questions and the opportunity. So yeah, this was fun. Me too. Me too. We got to the flow of things, started having a <laughs> conversation. Yeah, for sure. I forgot this was a, supposed to be a Q&A. <laughs> so, uh, Thank you all for checking out this episode of the First Year Out Podcast. Justin, thank you for coming aboard. I truly appreciate it. If you made it this far in the episode, make sure you drop a comment below. Justin, where can they find you? They can find us on Instagram, Facebook, website, the whole thing. It's just Justin Fu Media. Justin, P-H-U, P as in Paul, H-U, Media. And that's it. Thank you all again. And uh, let us know what you think of this episode. And I'll tune in with y'all next week.